Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of not only the Pony Express, but of Fortress of Ineptitude, our special little series within a series where we discuss some of the forgotten, maligned, and altogether odd comic book movies of years past. I am one of your hosts, Mike Levito, and I am joined by always, as always, not by always, as always, by post writer contributor Lewis Ryan. Hey Mike, glad glad to see you invited me back. <laughs> yes. Well, I needed somebody who knew something about the character we're talking about, so it's uh it's fairly convenient. Um this week it was my choice to pick a movie. And I I kind of just like was really didn't have a good idea. We have I know we compiled a whole list of movies and I just but I just kind of picked the one the first one that came to mind. Um this is a big one. It is a big one, and I'm glad I picked it because I we'll talk about it. But I, I really enjoyed going back to this, and it sounds like you did too. Um, and I, I actually had a very memorable viewing experience when I saw the first time, but we can get into that later. Um, we watched The Spirit, the 2008 film based on the classic Will Eisner character. Uh, the film, of course, directed by Frank Miller, who is, of course, uh, first and foremost, a comic book author and, author and artist. We talked about him a little bit in our Daredevil episode, um, starring Gabriel Macht, Eva Mendes, Sarah Paulson, and a couple other folks. And Samuel L. Jackson, of course, and Scarlett Johansson. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the casting later. But we, we usually begin by discussing sort of, you know, if we have any kind of past experience or feelings about, you know, the... Uh, the characters that these movies are based off of. And I'll just be straight up honest that I really don't know a whole heck of a lot about the spirit outside of that, you know, Will Eisner is the guy that all the comic book awards are named after. But I know you, Lewis, know, are, are a little more familiar with uh, with the spirit. Yeah, yeah, I, I am definitely. Um, at the time I saw this movie, I, I wasn't so much. I kind of was aware of like the spirit as like an entity and obviously will eisner is a very well respected um uh, person in the comic book industry but it wasn't until uh, after i had already seen this movie that um i went and i found out dc comics actually they've published um the, the complete will eisner's the spirit in these uh nice hardcover editions from like 2005 um and over the course of the next few years they published it in 26 volumes collecting the entire run um uh, so and, I, and I've read those and I've uh, really enjoyed them and obviously I've seen why they're so beloved and so respected. So I can I can talk a bit, little bit about the history if that's okay, Mike. Please do. I'm I'm ready to be educated. Yeah. So Will Eisner was basically like your kind of standard run of the mill type, basically producing content during the golden age of comic books in the late 30s, like your Jack Kirby's, your Joe Simons. Um, you know, your Jerry Siegel's, your Joe Schuster's. He's just basically producing content, a lot of it for the Quality Comics group. Um, there came an opportunity when, like, the Register Tribune Syndicate, I might be getting that name slightly wrong, which is basically newspaper packaging. They wanted to supplement their material with sort of like a comic book insert, kind of like what the New York Times does in their Sunday editions. They have, like the New York Times Sunday magazine. Like, they have an insert. So, basically, they wanted a comic book insert. And so, Will Eisner was in charge of producing material for that. And one of the things that was big at the time was superheroes, obviously. So, they wanted Will Eisner to do, like, a superhero-type character. So, he came up with, like, basically the most bare-bones superhero ever, which is the spirit. Which is basically a guy dressed like a standard, you know, film noir protagonist. He's wearing a blue suit, blue tie, fedora, um, you know white square jawed guy and then to make him a superhero he just added a domino mask <laughs> didn't give him any superpowers or anything and so um these were like eight page stories that were you know weekly in a newspaper some you know a mix between sort of a comic strip daily comic strip and like a week in a monthly you know superhero comic book story and these were very um highly dexterous in terms of the drawing these drawings were very nice some of the best art of the golden age of comics period which has kind of very primitive art because they were sort of inventing the form and like the storytelling is really nice and well done so this started in the middle of 1940 and it went all the way till 1952 um 
Will Eisner himself is kind of responsible for the majority of the output. Um, he left to go... Uh, he was drafted to be in World War II, and then when he came back around 1945, that's commonly cited as the period when the spirit sort of like took a leap quality-wise. So I would recommend, just because it's a big volume series, 26 volumes, that if you had your chance, I would recommend getting volume 17, just because that sort of represents the peak of like his storytelling. And there's one story in particular I'd like to quickly summarize, if I may, the story of uh, Gerhard Schnabel in 1948. This is sort of illustrating like a typical spirit story you might get week to week in your you know newspaper. So it's basically like the spirit is you know fighting uh, a gang of criminals that are you know on the run like bank robbers, but it's also telling the story of this guy Gerhard Schnabel, which is just like a normal average you know guy. He's like four foot and he's just like this ordinary guy but he has the ability to fly his whole life he could fly but he had to hide this ability you know just so he wasn't seen as like an outcast or something and then on this day where the spirit is chasing after these bad guys he decides that it's like you know what i'm just gonna go and i'm gonna fly so he like goes to the top of the building and he starts flying he's enjoying it and then like in the ensuing gun battle that the spirit's involved with he gets shot and he ends up falling to his death nobody noticed he was flying um, he was the only one that enjoyed it. The only time in his life he could really enjoy flying. And then it's like he gets shot and he falls to the ground dead. Nobody knew it. Nobody was paying attention to him. And then he's dead. So that kind of gives the idea of sort of like this whimsical approach. You know, this way that crime is subtly involved in the story. Like a humanist story of like just this ordinary person who has this miraculous ability. And it's like this kind of oddly moving tale where um, you only know him for a few pages. Then he ends up dead. So it's kind of this interesting story. It's kind of this interesting, uh, you know, way of telling a story, and that's kind of like these very different sort of gimmicks that are introduced week after week. And so that's basically the spirit. There's not really a whole lot to um, talk about the characters. Like I said, the spirit is sort of like an interesting, ordinary guy who has like no superpowers. He has like an interesting supporting cast with like the commissioner. And the commissioner's daughter, Ellen Dolan, both of whom are featured in this movie as well. And then there is his like arch nemesis, the octopus, which we can talk about later when we get into the movie. But needless to say, uh, you know, Will Eisner was like the first guy in like the industry who was like, you know, comic books could be art. And it took a very, very long time for sort of like that mentality to be adopted sort of like widespread in the industry but he was like the first one he ended up later writing the contract with god trilogy which is commonly first cited as the first graphic novel which is also really good but he's a, he's a you know great comic book artist was the first one that really believed in the promise of the medium and like there's a reason that all these awards are named after him and that he's you know a very respected figure so that's kind of like the context going into this when um Frank Miller is asked to do an adaptation of this that it's like they wanted someone who is extremely respectful because this is also kind of like the first creator owned character mm. like DC or Marvel doesn't own this DC sort of licensed the character for a period of time um, so I, I can understand it's kind of like you can be confused for thinking the spirit is a DC character um, but the spirit is actually owned by Will Eisner and now the Will Eisner estate and um, there's actually a funny story about that where um since Will Eisner owned the spirit when he was drafted into World War II, they came up like uh, Quality Comics asked uh, Jack Cole to create like a ripoff character of the spirit just in case Will Eisner died during World <laughs> War II. There's a character called Midnight who is basically the spirit. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny when he shows up because it's literally like the same character in like the blue suit and stuff. So, um, uh, Fortunately, Will Eisner didn't die, and uh, Midnight has sort of been relegated to, like, the forgotten superhero bin. Uh, but yeah, important creator-owned character, a lot of quality storytelling, um, interesting story ideas. So that that's basically it. I'm sorry I rambled on for a very long time. No, no, that was very edifying. I think it gives, like, the proper context for, I guess, why this character is important, considering that I bet a lot of people haven't heard about him. And um, also just kind of like the idea going at like, like you mentioned frank miller a very respected um you know writer and at this point he had just uh he had a, i think it was i believe sin city was 2007 
Um, no, it was, it was 05. Oh, 05, excuse me. Same summer as uh, Revenge of the Sith. Oh. Um, so yeah, Frank Miller, of course, as we mentioned, um, you know, probably most famous for Daredevil. Um, also did uh, the Dark Knight. Re- yeah, his, his work on Batman and Daredevil yeah. in the 80s. Um, and then also Sin City, which is very much in like the like noir spirit, right? Um, no pun intended. Yes, <laughs> no pun intended. And then he did leap into the movies, uh, working with Robert Rodriguez on a uh, film adaptation of Sin City, or, or three yeah. of his Sin City stories. Which is basically, you know, sort of a translation of basically adopting his panels into yes. live-action film. Yeah, it, 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 and which and Sin City, it's mostly in, like, black and white. Um, and you get some spurts of, like, yellow or red here and there but is mostly in black and white very kind of like well you know there's a lot of shadows and stuff it's not like sort of like a straight up like you would find in a mainstream comic book now it's not these sort of like very straightforward depictions of um events right it's kind of i don't know if impressionistic is not necessarily the right word but it's it's stylized yeah yeah it's like it's like um similarly it's like 300 Mm-hmm. where it's like this very stylish like it has its own digital style applied afterward right yes 300 also a frank miller comic book i believe um so yeah that that's kind of and so and so they they try to do a very similar thing uh with this movie the spirit apparently had been in development for like a little bit um initially william friedkin um you know, most famous for like the French connection, French connection, the exorcist in the seventies, he was initially tapped to, um, or he, he actually went out and got the rights to make this and tried to get Will Eisner to write a script, but instead Eisner pointed him in the direction of Harlan Ellison, um, who actually did end up writing a script, but, uh, they, they abandoned the project. It kind of kicked around Hollywood for a little bit. Brad Bird of Pixar fame, uh, was initially going to work on it, but, and eventually ended up in Frank Miller's hands after Sin City was a success. Um, I think a notable thing to point out about this movie before we get into talking about it is that, so we talked about Superman Returns and Daredevil in our first two episodes, and those were both like financial successes, more or less, right? They both made back their budget domestically. Um, we mentioned Superman Returns was in like the top 10 of the box office for uh, 2006 was the year it came out. Um, and Daredevil for a time had like the biggest February opening of all time was considering the kind of movies that come out in February, maybe a little bit of faint praise, but still that's success. And Judge Dredd, even though it was a domestic flop, did make its budget back in the international market. Uh, the spirit did not make its budget back. <laughs> um, it's Lewis it's King. A bomb. Yes. Do, do you happen to know it, it, it's budget off the top of your head? I'm looking at it right now, but I'm, I'm curious if you could like, guess. uh, I looked it up. It's like 60 million, 60 million. And do you know how much it made? <laughs> 39 yes exactly 39 million dollars yeah well i'm sure not exactly but that is what wikipedia says as the round as the rounded up number um so this was not a success in any way shape or form and i think that uh is kind of further illustrated by my initial viewing experience back in 2008 i did see this film in the theaters um you know i was i was comic book obsessed at that point even though i was not familiar with the spirit I went with my friend Edmund to go see this, um, probably in East Hanover, New Jersey. And uh, we were two of the three people in the theater. And I think the third person got up and left at some point. (laughs) And it was like one of the first times where I was like, ah, nobody really cares about this movie, do they? Like, I, this is like a weird, like, it is, um, this is like not gonna be a success huh it was the first time i ever really came to that realization in real time about a movie um so i guess it has a special place in my heart for that did do you have a memorable first viewing experience or did you just like, well i uh, mean i remember it yeah it, it's definitely a movie that sticks in my brain i definitely remember seeing it. i think we might have seen it at the same theater based on what you just yeah. said <laughs> um uh but i remember it i oddly i remember it like thinking it as coming out in the summer but it came out at christmas i I, yeah i agree i was also confused by that when i saw that it literally came out on christmas day yeah so that that strikes me i remember being interested in it Mm -hmm. you know from the trailer i don't think you know we had any idea what we were going into uh 
when it started. Um, so, cause I wasn't into Sin City yet right. or, you know, like I said, I wasn't into the spirit and I didn't really know, but, uh, it is interesting thinking about it. Cause this was after Sin City, the movie and 300, the movie. So yeah. it, it is kind of like this thing. So, um, yeah. Uh, I don't think it was like the first big bomb movie I had seen, but, um, it is definitely a memorable one. Yeah, it's certainly not the first, but definitely the first one to me that felt palpable, I guess. Um, so we've touched about it a bit. What it, And, you know, we, we mentioned there were precursors like Sin City and 300 that had this very similar, like, visual style. I'm kind of curious, like, what your... Uh, before we dive into the cast, like, what your feelings are about the way this movie looks. Um, do, do, does this, like, hold up? Because it's very different than, I think, what we see now, but... But did, watching this, were you like, oh, like this is actually this was a cool idea at the time, or, or does it not? Does it seem kind of dated or just unsuccessful to you? Um, well, that's an interesting question because uh, I think it's like in two parts. Like, one, does it hold up? Yes, I think it does hold up in a sense that it's like it's stylized, as I was saying before. Like, it has its own digital style. So nothing like is like oh this you know this CGI is bad or anything. I feel like it's all you know stylized like it's meant to be look like you know its own thing. Nothing really stood out to me as like oh this just looks you know like it was bad in the sense that oh like they didn't get enough time like oh they botched that. But the second part of that is I feel like the style is uh, all wrong <laughs> for this because. Uh, like, just watching the movie, it's very, um, it, <laughs> it's basically they just copy and pasted Sin City. <laughs> right, right. Over to this. Like, um, as I mentioned, like, the spirit is, like, he wears a blue suit with a blue tie and hat, and this, it's, like, black. <laughs> yes. Black suit, black tie, black hat. Well, it's actually a striking red tie. Yeah, red tie, and he has, like, the same shoes that Dwight wears in Sin City. Mm-hmm. which is not like a thing in the comics um so right off the bat i feel like it's it's all wrong and um, as we'll go into this more i feel like the script is at odds with the visual presentation of the movie <laughs> i i yes i would agree i i think it's an interesting visual decision i think there are points where it's like a little I don't want to say incomprehensible, but it's definitely, like, chaotic. Like, I do think, like, kind of the opening scenes are not, like... it's There's definitely an adjustment period you have to make. Um, but I, I do think that, like, when... There there are some moments where it gets into, like, a less stylized mode. Like, there's at least one extended flashback sequence that's kind of, like... They try to be a little more straightforward in, the, in its presentation. I think that, like, actively is, like, looks pretty bad. Um... It just it just looks kind of like gray and washed out, um, but yeah, it's funny because you mentioned the script being at odds with the, the 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 you know the visual style, and I also remember this as being kind of like a hyper gritty, like you know, movie like you know keeping with like a noir spirit, and then I I, I did not remember how kind of like. Uh, funny and like intentionally goofy it was because it, it definitely is yeah but the like if you haven't seen the movie it's like basically in black and white right which is strange yes yeah um but 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 like it's the the, the tone does not yeah like you said jive with that so let's let's talk about the cast a little bit so the, the titular role is played by uh, gabriel mocked which I don't know if the name means a lot to people, but as somebody who watched Suits in its heyday, Gabriel Macht, of course, best known for playing Harvey Specter, and Suits best known for starring uh, Meghan Markle, who is now the Duchess of Sussex, I believe, or, or at least was. You know, she's married to Prince Harry. Yeah, she resigned, didn't she? Yes. But I think she still technically has, like... They resigned their duties. I think they might still have some of their titles. I don't really know how it all works. Um... But Gabriel Macht really had not been, like, a ton before this, right? He was not, like, a name, certainly. Um, his name always, like, I always remembered his name after seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. And so I was glad that he 
found success on Suits. Yeah, and like I, I never watched it. Right. Uh, what did you think of 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 old old Gabriel's old Gabriel's performance in this movie? Uh, I think he's you know fine. I think he certainly like looks the part. Um, and there's a couple moments I have where I think he's like good. You know, I'm not saying he's transcending mm-hmm. cinematic acting like he's uh, <laughs> redefining the form. <laughs> right, like, right. Uh, Al Pacino, like, oh, it's like a new Stravinsky. People are going to say it's the mocked method. <laughs> um, I, I thought he was fine. I like. I want to know. I like wanted to like track down an interview uh, where with Gabriel mocked, where he like talks about this movie because that's like what I really want to know. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to get jump ahead, but it's like the actors. It's like I can only like judge the actors so much <laughs> without knowing like what the direction was like. And what it was like on set, so that that's what I'm interested to see. But I, I think it, Gabriel Macht is fine. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he he's able to sell the humor pretty well, and he does have the sort of classic square jawed America look that that works in this kind of role. But speaking of like what it's like on set, that kind of brings me to Eva Mendes as Sans Serif, who is in the like um, I would describe it in kind of like the Catwoman role, where she is uh, maybe like in uh anti-hero anti-villain even yeah. kind of thing she's like the the mall the gangster's mall yeah film noir terms yeah and, and she she is like the childhood sweetheart of the spirit who thinks he's dead um and who is uh wrapped up with the octopus because she wants the golden fleece of jason Mm-hmm. and the octopus wants the blood of heracles and through like a very convoluted situation they end up with either or eva or sans serif ends up with the the blood and the octopus ends up with the fleece mm-hmm. um but eva mendes like went out of her way to like work to like seek out frank Miller and say i want to be in this movie and work with you um yeah, it's uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm, I'm like curious, kind of what would uh, prompt that. Um, I, I think, guess, I guess it's just Sin City. I, I guess so. Unless she's like a big comic book fan, which is weird because it's like Frank Miller. He's not like a film director. No, no. It's like he was working with Robert Rodriguez on Sin City. Mm-hmm. So I would uh, kind of you know, assume that Robert was in charge more of like the filmmaking and Frank Miller was just there as sort of like an honorary position. Cause they're just translating his comic. So it's weird to be like, I want to work with you, Frank Miller on this role. And so I, I want to know what she ended up thinking of <laughs> this role, this movie <laughs> afterwards. Me too. I, I will say, I think that from like, she, she is kind of like a, you know, she, she, again, it's kind of like Gabriel Mock. It's like she's not transcending anything in this role, which my understanding is that it's not actually a character from the comic books. It was more or less made up for this film. Oh, no. Sans Serif is a character. Oh, she is. All the characters are actually from the comics. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Um, but from like a visual, I mean, like she like does have these sort of like this like classic Hollywood look that like she does like the femme fatale noir thing. Well, I would say. Yeah, she she certainly uh, looks good on camera. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, <laughs> she is very attractive, and in this specific old Hollywood way, I would say too. Um, we mentioned him before, the octopus played by Samuel L. Jackson, who is um, having a lot of fun. Yes, he is definitely having a lot of fun. Um, I, if you told me that Samuel L. Jackson just decided, just like went to the, onto the set and was like, don't worry, Frank, I got this. And then turned into just kind of like one of the, uh, it's not like, yeah, what, what, one of the more, uh, crazier roles of his career, I guess. Um, he's, he's really doing, it, it's a good thing. This is like mostly digital imaging because I think like physical pieces of the scenery would have been chewed by Samuel L. Jackson had he had the chance. Yeah, so this is the part where I, I should say that in the uh, the comics, the octopus is, you know, the spirit's arch nemesis. He's only ever seen, though, in Shadow, all you really get a glimpse of are, like, his hands, his gloved hands, which have, like, the... It, it's He wears it in the movie. It's, like, the six squares on, like, the grid. 
that's what's on his gloves. But mm-hmm. like all you ever see are his gloves. So in the movie, obviously, I mean, I guess you could do that, but obviously they just decided to have like you can just see the octopus. So they, I guess, is overcompensating for the fact that you see him. It's like he wears different costumes in every scene that he's in, which is a, you know very strange. Yeah, it's what he's like wearing a pimp outfit mm-hmm. when you first see him with like a big cowboy hat, and then. Uh, there's like a Nazi suit. <laughs> yeah, that to me is the most insane part of this movie is that there's a scene where he and Scarlett Johansson who plays Silken Floss, who's like, you know, his, 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 uh, also assistant. kind of like a, his assistant, like also kind of a moral character. Um, they capture the spirit and they just show up in like SS uniforms. And it's like, not only do they do that, but it's like, there was like one sh- like cut to like, like, you know, Octopus is, like, you know, narrating his, like, whole, like, master plan. And there's one cut back to Scarlett Johansson. And it's it, she's, like, literally standing in front of a giant picture of Hitler. <laughs> and I'm just like, what what was going on? And, like, uh, just Frank Miller or whoever else's mind when, when, when they cooked up this scene. Because <laughs> it, uh, I just, I, like, I, you couldn't do that today, right? Like, I feel like this would be, like... That would make, like, headlines today, I feel like. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, this was the same year as Inglorious Bastards, so I guess that really doesn't say much. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It is it is just very strange. And, I, you know, it's like I saw this when I was, like, kind of younger. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, hard to guess. I wonder, like, what my reaction would be like today, I guess, because, like, things have changed in, like, culture mm-hmm. so much. Like, going back to Eva Mendes, like, the way we treat women. Oh, yeah. And, like the you know nazism mm-hmm. in our culture has like changed in like the last 14 years so i i don't know i feel like it would be definitely different today yeah well that's the thing it's like um speaking of women like i remember the marketing campaign for this movie being built around the female characters and did you happen to like watch or like rewatch the trailer for this movie uh, I did not, but I remember, like, My City Screams, and, like, they talk about, like, it's like you're in love with every woman you meet. That's, like, from the trailer, right? It is, but then there's also another trailer, and this was, like, the first trailer I ever saw of this movie, and it is specifically, like, meet the women of the spirit. And, like, it's still just, like, a two-and-a-half-minute trailer, but it's, like, you know, it'll it'll show, it'll be, like, Scarlett Johansson, Silken Floss, and it'll have kind of, like, um like text of like a quote of hers and then she has a little scene and then it, it did that same thing for eva mendez as sans serif and sarah paulson as ellen dolan and uh santa kotick as morgenstern and it, it kept it just like went down the line of all the female characters and it was just like i don't know it just seems like they had absolutely zero idea how to market this movie properly um and it's just like that that the you know this this sort of um theme of him being just kind of obsessed with women and falling in love with every woman he meets and every woman who meets him falling in love with him is uh something they've really tried to hammer in this movie but i feel like it never really ends up dovetailing with the rest of what's going on (laughs) yeah well it's a very um shameless portrayal of women yeah in this movie they're like always seen from the spirits put pov i wouldn't say like any of them are really like strong characters mm-hmm. and it definitely is different than like the comic where it is like the spirit would get into adventures and there'd be like women characters but it spirit was always portrayed as kind of more chaste mm-hmm. just because it was like a comic meant for like boys or something you know it was never like the spirit was like a full-on womanizer like he is in this movie <laughs> right yeah um very much the male gaze going on here, um, I think is uh, the proper term. But it, but it, it it yeah just kind of like radiates throughout um, this <laughs> this film, and you know, um, yeah, weird stuff. I mean, like that that's mostly cast. Sarah Paulson as Ellen Dolan, I guess, is probably the other like notable role. Um, yeah, her her stock's gone up a lot since this movie was released. It has, yeah. She's like a, she's won at least one Emmy. Um, and become kind of uh, Ryan Murphy's muse, which I mean, I guess depending who you ask, is either a blessing or a curse. But um, 
Yeah, you know, she's fine too as as uh the spirit's girlfriend, but was also Denny Colt's girlfriend before he died. Yeah. Um, I actually I actually think it would be better if um Sarah Paulson and Scarlett Johansson maybe switched roles cuz I think that would maybe fit better. I could see cuz I I don't really like the way Sarah Paulson it plays uh Ellen Dolan. It's too like matronly. Yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely they they do make her very chaste, I feel like. She's almost dressed like a nun in the first scene she's in, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I I think that's deliberate. Yeah. And I would actually say like I actually think Scarlett Johansson's like if anybody is like I think actively bad from an acting perspective of this movie, I think it's Scarlett Johansson. I don't think the writing does her a lot of favors per se, but I do think she is just not able to sell the uh this this role. Yeah, it's just not giving the camera much of anything. But it, it is interesting to note. Did you notice how it's like Scarlett Johansson and Samuel L. Jackson in like a movie like they're, you know, Nick Fury and the Black Widow? <laughs> yes, I did. I did. Um, and this is, yeah, a couple of years before Iron Man 2 when, when that pairing would first happen. Um, yes, I, I did think about that. So I, l- let me ask you a little bit. So obviously we talked about how this movie is pretty different from the comic books. So the thing with like Denny Tol- Denny Colt being like a cop who who shot dead and then brought back to life, is that in the comics or no? Okay, so here's the origin. So Denny Colt is not a cop in the comics. I'll actually like in the beginning of these um, books they they do this like short paragraph here where it's like they recap the origin of the spirit because it's like it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's like it's the first story and like the second story wraps it up. And then it's just, like, not a thing. Like, they don't mention Denny Colt. The spirit never takes off his domino mask after, like, the first story. Like, when he has to go undercover, he just puts glasses over the domino mask. Um, so it's just Denny Colt. He's just a criminologist. And he just um, gets involved with a plot with uh, Dr. Cobra, where mm. he ends up falling into, like, a state of suspended animation. And he's believed dead, which is only, like, you know, but he's actually suspended for 24 hours and he, you know, merges out of the grave and then it's like, I'll use this as an opportunity to fight crime, you know, that the police can't handle as the spirit. And then boom, he's the spirit. He has no superpowers. He just, you know, punches people and stuff. And he has a lair in Wildwood Cemetery, um, which, you know, you see at the beginning, it has that famous, like the window with the, the lines across it that make that interesting symbol. And that's that's pretty much it. You just it's like really like your standard like you can put this guy in any situation you know your indiana jones type character where it's not about like this character being so deep you know or depthful you know three-dimensional it's just about like the adventures and the fun um so yeah it's it's different it's not like this where he was a cop he gets shot and then he emerges later and he has superpowers um so that's that's completely different yeah, he, he is like, I mean, he's basically immortal in this movie, right? Like he, um, there's at least like twice in this movie where he, he flatlines essentially and then comes back to life. Um, and the reason given for this that the octopus reveals is that like the octopus was like a police coroner and after Denny Colt uh, gets killed on the job, like the octopus was trying to come up with a way for, of like immortality. So he experiments on Denny Colt. He's successful then experiments on himself he's successful and now to make himself even more successful and like truly invincible he's trying to get the blood of heracles um and which he wants to ingest and then become basically demigod and once he does that he also wants to kill the spirit because he's the only true threat to him if he does do that right um what did you think of of the story in general did did this like ring true to you as as like a spirit story or, or was it was it too convoluted um i mean as i was saying before like you can really kind of do anything in a spirit story like it went in all sorts of directions like they were usually you know only eight pages they weren't like and it wasn't like an ongoing story you know with like an arc um so i mean it's the thing where it's like the story really isn't important in this movie it's like kind of background to i mean you could say like that the the golden fleece and the vase they're like kind of like the maltese falcon Mm -hmm. in the maltese falcon where it's like it's kind of the background it's like based around like the characters interacting but uh 
none of it really feels all that interesting. None of the, like none of the like characters have like these compelling motivations, I would say, and it's like it's just we're bouncing from scene to scene. And it's all very goofy. It is. It is goofy. And like I said, that that was something that struck me this time because I had forgotten about that. So it's goofy, but like, did you find it funny? Like, did it make you laugh, like genuinely? Well, I I was laughing at the movie more than I was laughing with the movie. But it's like, I don't know how... This is just a weird movie. Because like, there's the part where it's like, you know, the... Uh, I, I guess you could say it's aping Christopher Reeve's Superman, where it's like the news reporter interviewing the spirit. And he's <laughs> yes. like talking about, remember kids, brush your teeth. And it's like twinkle off the tooth. And it's like, that's funny. Yeah. And there's the part later on in the movie that I like where it's like, uh, he's like in the hospital and he's like getting ready for the final confrontation. He's like, somebody get me a tie and it damn well better be red. It's like, I like, I like that line. So it's like, and there's the, the part with the elevator Mm-hmm. Where he has to like take his pants off and he like swings onto the next elevator. It's like there are funny moments, but like the film is constantly uh, on the back foot because of this visual style where it's like black and white and it looks very grim. Where it's like trying to be Sin City because it's like that's all Frank Miller knows how to do. Right. <laughs> Sin City was successful. Let's make it look like Sin City. Um, and I, I just, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm laughing at the movie. Like, in no way am I saying this is a good movie. Right. It's like, it's a terrible adaptation of the comic, which, as I said, is a highly respected, you know, body of work. You know, it's kind of shameful in a way. Um, uh, and it's probably negatively, going to negatively affect the spirit's legacy for, like, years to come, where it's like, if anyone ever tries to get another movie off the ground, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, The Spirit 2008, you know, flopped. And, you know, in that respect, it's bad. I should, like, you know, hate this movie. But it's like, the movie's just, like, enjoyable on its own terms, where it's like, I can't, you know, hate it. Or it's like, it, it's like, um, uh, Pac-Man, like, when the high score goes up to, like, 9999, <laughs> and then it rolls over back to zero. That's what it's like, where it's like, the movie's so bad, mm-hmm. it kind of circles back around to being good um that that that's what i'm saying it's like i that's how i'm enjoying the movie yeah no i i i would agree it is i think of the four movies we liked like this is the the one i like enjoyed the most which again does not mean it's good but as like a pure viewing experience like it is it's it's entertaining again maybe not in the way they intended to be but still entertaining um it's and, a fun watch. You know, you get together with some friends and you just have a good time watching this movie. Yeah. Um, I, the, the, the few things that did make you laugh, like you were right, the whole thing with the reporter, the, the scene like immediately before that, like he's just walking down the street and like a guy just like happens to like steal a woman's purse and he just like basically sticks out his fist and it knocks over the thug and then he hands, the, I guess the purse is like some... The purse, you know, instant transmissioned into his hands. Right, yeah. And there's a guy looking on who just goes, marry me. <laughs> yeah, he, he gives the, the guy back his purse and he's yeah. like, marry me. And then also when, when he is, because um, he, he has this kind of confrontation with Sans Serif and he, he, I guess he gets, I forget how he falls out the window, but he does. She just uh, like pushes him. Yeah. Like repeatedly, like Elaine on Seinfeld. She just pushes yeah. him. And he just <laughs> smashes it against the window and he falls out. And then he he's hanging off of like this like uh this gargoyle, like this ram gargoyle, like its horn, and there's a bunch of people watching, and someone from the crowd goes, You'll believe a man can't fly. <laughs> um Yeah, it's like that's another thing I wanted to point out, is that it's basically like this is like Frank Miller enjoying his opportunity to make a movie. Right. Because it's, like, stuffed with, I don't know if you noticed, but, like, going back and rewatching it, there's, like, a lot of references to other Frank Miller works, like Daredevil, mm. I would say, his run on Daredevil. There's the part, I would say, like, just, we talked about um, Ellen Dolan's first appearance where she shows up like a nun, mm-hmm. is, like, similar to the Born Again storyline in Daredevil mm-hmm. with her, with the Daredevil and the nun character, mm-hmm. Mother Superior, who's, like, his mother. There's the part where the spirit's just running along the side of the building and profiling, like, jumps off, 
you know, and it's like the cover of the Dark Knight Returns, you know, the first issue where he like runs off and there's the lightning bolt. There's references to comic book creators, like where it's like, you know, go go to Iger Street. There's right. the Ditko's speedy delivery van. Mm-hmm. One of the characters is named Donenfeld, like Henry Donenfeld, who's like one of the guys who created DC. Paul Levitz is like one of those guys you're talking about in the elevator scene, like one of the crowd onlookers. I don't know. He's like the guy that says that. Paul Levitz was the president and publisher of DC at the time. Um, so it's just like a lot of references to things that aren't the spirit mm-hmm. and a lot of things that are references to real worlds comic book creators it's just it's a whole strange blend of things where it's like frank miller's just doing his own thing instead of just making a spirit movie that's like a good tribute to will eisner's character and whatever it's just it's so so bizarre yeah um i yes i I would agree it's almost like it tries to be like yeah kind of a i guess a celebration of it's like it's a frank miller's a parasite and he's using will eisner's the spirit as the host (laughs) and it's sublimating that yeah um i think that's a fair way to fair fair it you also do get like his weird little like peccadillos like the whole um because we talk about how this is like goofy but at the same time it's like the uh the way that sans serif like is able to like track down the golden fleece and the blood of Heracles is she bribes basically this, like this, this collector of uh, the character Donenfeld, this who's like a, um, an underworld guy who like is like steals and like fences ancient artifacts. And she blackmails him by like showing him by basically like showing him photographic evidence that he's a pedophile. Yeah. Um, and like those those pictures, like I don't know if you know this, but they're in like they look regular, like they look they're not like stylized, like they look just like regular photographs. Um, and then she like convinces him to, to kill himself, and like that's just like a very because like like there's um, yeah the that Pretty yellow dark. bastard from from Sin City, it's like you know pedophilia is like a whole thing in that. Um, it, and again, it, it just like tonally, like it doesn't really mix with the goofy tone to have this guy who's, who's like, you know, a, a monster in that regard. And then yeah, it also, there's the other second half where after he kills himself and then the police show up, the assistants like, yeah, whenever uh, he said never to come in the office, he, he meant you know never come into the office. I'm like, oh gosh, that's right, that's yeah. dark. Like, what was he doing in there? <laughs> that's that's a good boys probably. It's like yeah, it's very dark. And the way just. Sand also, like, kills her boyfriends. Mm-hmm. It's, like, meant to be funny. Like, the spirit, like, stumbles over Eric Balfour's dead body, you know, under the, you know, dining cart. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Remember that part? Yeah. Where yeah. He, we get to push I... out the window, too. And it's, like, <laughs> she's just, like, killing people. But we're supposed <laughs> to be, like, you know, kind of, you know, like her as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're meant to. But <laughs> yeah. she's, like, just killing killing people left and right. Yeah, she is a a Black Widow character in that regard, not not in the Scarlett Johansson way. Um, and then there's the whole like Lorelai thing, which I felt like was their attempt to do something like uh, mildly kind of like profound, or give it like a sense of like higher stakes where. Like, the whole thing is that, as we mentioned, like, the spirit's kind of, like, immortal or whatever, but he constantly hears the call of the angel of death, Lorelai. Um, like, every other woman in his life, she just wants to be with him. And when you get these very, like, stylized sequences um, where, you know, she's this this figure kind of, like, you know, backed by this great shining light and she's trying to attract him. And, like, the, the big kind of climax, or one of the big climaxes is that, like, He's basically left for dead. He's, he's stabbed and, and, and like, thrown and falls in the water. And, you know, he's about to embrace her, but then he kind of gets out of that. And that, that also just seemed like a thing that kind of clashed with, like, the goofiness. Because this was, like, a very... I don't know. It, it just felt like a, a more kind of, like... Um, they were trying to, like, add this, like, fantastic element to it that doesn't really jive with, like, the whole noir thing. Yeah, I mean, they were going for something, you know, more climactic, I'm assuming, 
like something more you know that would be like oh this is you know the moment where the things turn around now where it's like he but it's just you know kind of falls flat yes i would agree um we had another because we, we pointed this out when we were talking about um daredevil there, there there's another sopranos cast member in this in this movie um lewis lombardi who plays uh the multiple characters in this film technically he plays the octopus's sort of like test tube baby uh henchmen who are all like grown in his lab and they all have names that end in os like phobos and logos and pathos and eventually adios and amigos mm-hmm. um lewis lombardi plays uh skip lapari agent fbi agent skip lapari uh from the sopranos he is the guy who um convinces big pussy to flip so yeah, that good. Good to see him, I guess. And we mentioned the kind of the climax. Um, I it was like the whole thing where it's like, and it's funny because it is such like a simple thing where it's like the climax is just like oh, Sans Serif and the octopus are just going to exchange like their respective. Um, Packages, which, by the way, clearly do trying to do, like, a Pulp Fiction thing with the Golden Fleece, right? Like, you literally have Samuel L. Jackson flipping open, like, a like a chest, and then a great shining light shines on his face. But anyway, um, they're just going to, like, exchange it. But you get this scene between Sans Serif and Silken Floss, where it's, like, they're, like... I forget exactly how it's, like, started off, but, like, Silken Floss is like, yeah, this is, like, fun. Like, this is, like, like I'm having fun doing this. Like, aren't you... And then it cuts away, and then it cuts back, and they're, like, still arguing about, like, whether or not, like, they should be taking what they're doing seriously. Um, That scene felt, like, oddly modern to me. Like, I feel like you could see that in, like, a Guardians of the Galaxy movie or something. Um, Anyway. Uh, Two two women characters talking. Well, (laughs) no, but just, like, this this sort of, like, um, this kind of meta conversation about, like, uh, like, like, you know why are you taking this so serious like we, we we get to like like look awesome on like look awesome and like dress cool and like isn't this like fun like it's fun we're being like super villains right um it's this sort of like self-referential like deadpool-y type thing i feel like i don't know um but that's uh that's how i felt about it um what 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 else what else stood out to you about this movie Lewis? Um, nothing. Not really. I mean, there's like lots of scenes. Mm-hmm. Nothing really kind of like builds on anything, though. I think things kind of just happen, and like the film. The film is kind of done a disservice, like immediately at the beginning when it's like. Like it, uh, I mean, there's like the tone and the presentation, but I think like the editing and the opening sequence is kind of like clumsy, where it's just yeah. like he's running around narrating, and then it's like he gets into a fight with the octopus, and like at this point, like the audience doesn't know that either of them have like superpowers, so like they're just having like this fight in mud, mm-hmm. and like there's things where it's like, like they pick up giant things of iron and do like gro- <laughs> groin pulls and. They like smash a sink over their heads, and it's just like the Gabriel Mox just like I'm gonna kill you all kinds <laughs> of dead octopus. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. It's just the movie gets off to a bad foot, and you're playing catch up with the movie. Basically, like our brains aren't advanced enough to comprehend this movie. So. Right? Yeah. Um... That that is uh, another thing that stood out to me is like how the spirit is just like I'm going to kill you. Like he's not like this is not like Batman trying to like you know catch the Joker and turn him over to the authorities. Like the spirit is like I'm going to kill the octopus. Like one way or the other. It was just very like uh, you know a lot a lot of bloodlust going on. But yeah, they, they get into this fight. Um, yeah, and we we don't really get a great impression of like the octopus in like context. Like who mm-hmm. is he? What is he, you know? Yeah. Like, at any point, really, throughout the movie. No. He seems like he's a mad scientist figure. I, don't, I mean, it's like crime. Like, in the comics, like, the octopus is like a crime lord, you know? He's like mm-hmm. a kingpin in the shadows, kind of. 
you know, where it's like you only see his gloves, like he operates from behind the scenes. But here it's like we don't really get a big impression of him because he's not really in a lot of scenes where it's like other characters besides Silk and Floss, Louis Lombardi, or like the spirit. So you're just left to presume everything. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is they do like say the spirits like they do imply that like he's also like a drug lord like he in addition to like being able to grow these like henchmen he also creates some kind of highly addictive drug um then the spirit says something like don't you hate all those uh he basically implies that like there's there's like a crisis of young women uh turning to prostitution so they can afford the octopus's drugs and that's kind of like glossed over in the rest of the movie and i feel like it was meant to be alluded to after he falls out the window when he sees sans serif because like the women in the elevator like i felt like they were kind of like prostitute coded in a way like they were kind of dressed like how you might think frankie miller would dress a prostitute um but it's never really addressed again um but yes in that opening scene the octopus does break a uh toilet over the spirit right the spirit says and says come on toilets are always funny um is is the octopus obsessed with eggs in the comics because he is in this movie (laughs) no he's not um when they're fighting the octopus says there's nothing i love more than beating your ass all night except maybe eggs and then there are like a couple more egg references towards the end some of them make sense egg on my face yes not a glob not a glob um and he does say he's gonna beat someone like eggs and the 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 one at the very end makes absolutely no sense which is when he gets like shot in the head but because he's got these ill-defined superpowers the balls just kind of fall out and he goes runny eggs and that's that's kind of yep Yep, you you are correct, Mike. He does make many references to eggs in this movie. Why? I couldn't tell. Did you notice? The thing I love about this movie is that every time there's the line near the end where he's just like, I'm the octopus. I have eight of everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, the immediate go-to joke everyone always says when they review this movie is like, so does he have eight penises? <laughs> <laughs> that. It is just like, at no point he references, like, the number eight. Right. Or, like, why he's called the octopus, really. And did you also notice... I mean, I'm sure you noticed it, because it's, like, so in your face. But, like, he, like, gets blown up twice. And, like, two times they show, like, a scene of, like, the, the billowing smoke. And it, like, looks like an octopus. Yes, I did. It's a remarkable coincidence <laughs> that you have two smoke things. Where it's, like, I guess Frank Miller was, like, oh, this will be fun. Like, the smoke will look like an octopus. <laughs> But then it's like he couldn't decide which one was like better, so it's like why not just have both? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> both times we get blown up, he looks like an octopus. Is yeah, and also he's he's got the the eye makeup where he's got four like octopus arms underneath either eye. Um, and the second time he's blown up, like we see his ribs fly into the side of the building. <laughs> yeah, like uh, he he is like de- destroyed. Um, that part would have been because I was just thinking about it because you were talking about Lorelai. That that would have been good to reincorporate Lorelai into the movie, like the octopus octopus is shown talking with Lorelai or something. Yeah, that that is a good point. Yeah, they ne- they never really build up that part, and they never really you know kind of build up the idea of the octopus and the spirit being quote unquote brothers because they're both basically immortal. Um, a lot of meat left on the bone uh, as it were <laughs> and sometimes too much meat taken off i guess um, but like like this is like i want to know because like like frank miller like knows at a certain point that this is a comedy movie or it's like meant to be funny right but like it's clashing with like a lot of the visuals and so forth and just sort of like uh, incompetent direction <laughs> like frank miller's not a film director yeah, which is like the part where it's like it's the the fu- ending of the movie, and like the cops are there to confront the octopus, and like Morgan Stern takes out like this giant gun <laughs> yeah. that like looks ridiculous, and it's just like you know it blindsides the audience because it's like we're 
consistently being like pushed and pulled in like two different you know movies here where it's mm-hmm. like kind of grim and gritty but it's also like meant to be a funny movie sort of aping superhero stuff you know but it's like this gun looks just ridiculous <laughs> it does and uh you eustace um eustace dolan's like is every woman in the city crazy and she goes no we're just well equipped um yeah there's, there's almost like a looney tunes-esque energy to the way that people just pull out giant guns or pull out toilets to bring over people's heads or just happen to be dressed like samurais or nazis like um and, and I, I appreciate that like i think that that's kind of like a fun energy but you like you said it's it's also indicative of a inconsistent uh directorial vision to say the least like i, I just want to know what the behind the scenes of this movie was like honestly <laughs> yeah maybe for, for the 20th anniversary somebody should try to get that oral history of uh the oral history of the spirit um i will say there there is one scene where they discuss like the origin of the spirit and it's like he he gets out of the grave and he goes to talk to to chief dolan or commissioner dolan excuse me and it looks kind of sepia tone i thought that was pretty cool um and some of the visuals i do think are okay but like yeah it's 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 not always consistent and like you said some of the editing is uh is not awesome um yeah Um, just a strange movie that it's like it's in this era of i would say where superhero movies are a lot of you know conveyor belt you know cookie cutter this is very much a refreshing breath of (laughs) i don't know fresh air is the right word but it's definitely something different yeah you know it's like um i don't really know how to it's it's just like you, you have to kind of see it to believe it in a lot of ways right it's like there's bad like we talked about kind of daredevil it's like daredevil is bad in like i think a very conventional way in which it's just like an underwritten script um not like you know kind of some some mis- mis- uh, mismatched casting and just like not and maybe like leaning too hard into certain trends whereas like this is bad in in, in a unique way right in that it is laser focused on the Sin City aesthetic, despite it not being appropriate for the character, and also just being just just in complete incongruence in its visual aesthetic and the tone of the script. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, um, but but like we said, it's a fun watch. I I would like actually encourage people to watch this movie. Um, maybe maybe wait till it's like till you don't have to spend like the three dollars on amazon for it um and i maybe do it in like a group environment where like you know maybe you're a little drunk or something but (laughs) um i i do think this is just like it is a fun movie to watch um not despite its flaws but actively because of its flaws yeah um this is yeah this definitely is one of the more tolerable quote-unquote like so bad it's good movies so mm-hmm. i'd recommend watching it. it's very entertaining i'd also recommend people checking out like the actual source material which is actually good <laughs> um so yeah but um th- this is very t- entertaining movie on its own um it's weird to say like i have nostalgia for it but it's like it is one of like a very memorable movie i've only seen it like a couple of times but like it's it's you know a movie that burns in my brain and now it's like i go see a movie in the theater and it's like i can barely remember it <laughs> right so, yeah so it's it's very memorable it's a you know a unique viewing experience yeah and it, it just went when 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 even like the bad directors had ideas i guess is kind of um yeah where i guess it's this movie was completed before the recession i guess <laughs> yeah more more willingness to let risks happen mm-hmm. yes and it should be known that frank miller the only other movie he has directed is sin city a dame to kill for so uh he uh he he knew his lane i guess right he uh he went back to the well and knew what worked for him um although i've actually never seen a dame to kill for but yeah that was actually at one point i had forgotten that i had seen that movie <laughs> It's not great. It's definitely no no this movie. <laughs> it's right, definitely yeah. not the Spirit 2008. Um, 
yeah, Frank Miller has had an interesting career. Lots of ups and downs. Um, but he, you know, he's gotten to do some interesting things, I suppose. Yeah. One day, uh, one day we'll do like a comic book podcast and talk about all-star Batman and how that went for Frank Miller. Um, that was Frank Miller, right? Yeah. Frank Miller. Yeah. I'm the goddamn bat. The, the unfinished. Yes. All-star Batman and Robin. Yes. The goddamn Batman is, as they say. Um, they also make fun of Robin in this movie too. Um, the, the pedophile guy's password is Robin. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a whole, whole <laughs> bunch of stuff. And, like, they reference the Electra complex. Yep. And oh, Mark that's Miller right. created a character called Electra. Yes. Famously, just a whole bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with the spirit. <laughs> Not at all. Um, did you know that Empire Magazine considers this one of the worst movies of all time? <laughs> yeah, I did, because I saw that on uh, the Wikipedia article. Yeah. Number 32, in between Ultraviolet and... Pink Panther 2. Um, Pink Panther 2? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of... It's, it's kind of a weird list. I looked through it. Um, it's a very recent list for sure. Um, yeah, I, there are definitely worse movies to watch that just have no entertainment value I, whatsoever. Yeah. But, but you know, I, I do think that's kind of like the illustration of like the difference between a bad movie with entertainment value and a bad movie that's just like bad where it's like because the room is also on this list but like the room has entertainment value um even though it is like at the most basic technical level like a bad movie um anyway if this movie maybe featured uh the character ebony white it would be truly terrible yeah yes then it would be like uh morally reprehensible i would say (laughs) um google or perhaps don't google ebony white to find out what we're talking about um do the modern volumes have ebony white in him yeah he's like a character throughout so with the modern oh the modern volumes um well by by modern i meant like the ones that are like you know the ones that they they reinvented the character to look like an actual human being right um yeah and they made him like a child sidekick who can like drive a taxi a bit underage um yeah so i mean he's still part of it but um it is one like the glaring glaring mark on the original incarnation of the spirit is that you have this character that is a very much a step and fetch it kind of racial stereotype where um it is kind of confusing if like is he a child or is he an adult (laughs) um that will eisner ultimately uh pulled out like nine years in and was like uh this was maybe a mistake to have this character um but it is like the one glaring mark on like an otherwise truly remarkable comic series yeah well as they say uh the best apology has changed behavior so kudos to Eisner for doing that um but before we close out any any last parting thoughts about the spirit lewis i mean it's like by all accounts i should like hate this movie mm-hmm. but i don't so that that should 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 that should suggest that I, I recommend people watch it. I would say it's worth your time. The two hours and change it takes to watch. Um, I was honestly surprised it's not on HBO Max, although given everything that's happening right now, I guess that might not be a surprise. Yeah. Um, but, you know, go see it. It's definitely different. If you're someone who's only watched the MCU movies, you know, that's that's kind of terrible. You're living... <laughs> A hollow empty life but you know watch this movie for something just a little bit different expand your horizons you know um what is it on the x-files Mulder watches plan nine from outer space like over and over again it like dulls his mind and like inspires like creative thoughts to happen maybe that'll happen with you you know you're watching the spirit and it's just like your brain is just doing such leaps but you know it's being entertained and stimulated that you might come up with you know interesting ideas on your own so you know I recommend it. Yeah, as do I. And actually, you said two hours and change. It's actually sub two hours. It's 103 minutes, so a buck forty three. Granted, only 17 minute difference, but I, I would argue the 17 minutes probably make a difference. Um, yeah. So uh, th- this has been us talking about the spirit. Like I said, please, uh, not please watch it, but but we do suggest you watch it. Um, we also suggest that you like, rate, and subscribe this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This can be found anywhere podcasts are found. 
Um, and like, rate, and subscribing, it helps us in like rankings and, and getting noticed. And please do also uh, tell us what you think about the spirit, either in your review or shoot us an email at contact at the postwriter.com. We promise we don't bite, and we would love to talk to you about these movies. Um, if you're just looking for me in particular, you can find me on Twitter at mlevito or on Letterboxd at Ameramike. Yeah, and I'm on Twitter too at, at the Lewis Ryan. And we also have another podcast that Mike and I have been hosting uh, called The Visitors Might Be Listening, which we just wrapped up um, covering Apple TV Pluses for All Mankind, um, a show that has absolutely nothing to do with the spirit, <laughs> just like this movie. Um, so I highly recommend people check out that podcast um, if you're interested. So please do. Also on thepostwriter.com. That is very true. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for listening. And until next time, I, there's no until next time. Just thank, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you later. My podcast screams. <laughs>